Good morning. Good morning. At the home of Martha and Mary, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came into a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, I'm sorry, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Katie. You guys can have a seat. So we are starting this series, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. This is uh, more than a preaching series. We've been talking about this for a few weeks now. This is a campaign this fall. Uh, most of our life groups, almost all of our discussion groups are diving into a study that will go along with this series. They're, they're going to be discussing some of the things that we're uh, talking about on Sunday mornings. There's a supplemental book that goes with it. Uh, we've been putting the link out, and life group leaders have been uh, putting the link out to their groups to, to get it and to be following along with the reading. Um, you'll get more out of it if you do the reading, but if there's weeks where you don't do it, that's okay. Don't let that be a reason not to show up to group. Show up to group because uh, what we're preaching on and what we're discussing is the Bible. We're not preaching the book. Uh, we're preaching scripture, but the book is helpful and insightful, and I think you'll get more out of it if you dive into that. Now, here's the question. Why are we doing this study? Why are we jumping into this? A um, couple reasons. Let me reduce it down to this. This is our vision statement. Our vision is to be an authentic, inclusive, and sending community where the grace of Jesus Christ deeply impacts every area of our ordinary lives. So that word authentic, that means uh, being honest and vulnerable about where we struggle, the doubts we have, the questions we have about our faith, being willing to open up about that with others. But it also means... Not just being honest with others, being honest with ourselves. Honest with ourselves about what's really going on in our hearts. The iceberg underneath the surface. So for example, if there's a pastor who, let's say, let's say he preaches good or he's a good counselor and he's good at setting goals and achieving them, that's not me. Um, but let's say there was one and he's flipping out in traffic. He's got road rage. And he brushes it off. With people in the car, when, when, you know, when they say, dude, you okay? He brushed it off by saying, yeah, I have a little bit of an anger issue. I have a little road rage. Is he being honest with himself? I would say no. Anger is a symptom of something deeper going on underneath the surface. Maybe it's a control issue. Maybe he appears patient to everyone when things are under control, but when he's in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic, things feel out of control, and that's what makes him flip. There's always something deeper going on underneath the surface. Or maybe there's a mom who uh, never feels like she can take time to be with the Lord, to open up Scripture, to sit with God. And she tells herself, I just am too busy this season. It's a busy season. 
But she's not being honest with herself. Every season is a busy season. What's really going on? Maybe there's a, a performance-driven identity issue going on where she feels like she has to get more and more done and always has to be stimulated, always has to be doing, 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 can't slow down, can't stop. So it's not just that she's busy. That's not being honest with herself. There's a church lady, an old church lady who's so sweet and everybody sees her as the go-to person. She coordinates events and she, uh, you know, very good at hospitality. She's always got a listening ear for people, always available for people. But she lays awake at night stressed out and anxious, worried that people are mad at her, upset with her if they don't text her back or call her back right away. Feeling stretched too thin, but she tells herself, I just love people too much. Is she being honest with herself? I would say no. You can't love somebody too much. But you can be codependent. You can be a people pleaser. You can be a people pleaser and not a people lover when people are big and God is small. So, point is, if we're going to be an authentic church, we have to be honest with ourselves about what's going on. What makes us get triggered? What makes us flip out? What, what makes us anxious. What's going on under the, the, the surface of our hearts? And then the second thing about that vision statement, look at the last phrase, the, the grace of Jesus Christ deeply impacts every area of our ordinary life. So Jesus dies and rises again for us and secures resurrection life for us and says, hey, it's available to everyone because of my grace. And we step into that. And it's not just, okay, great, you're in, you're going to go to heaven one day. It's, no, I am going to transform you inside and out, every aspect of your life. He wants his grace to touch our marriage, our parenting, going to work, going to the coffee shop, everything, how we respond in traffic. And it includes our emotions. It's not just having head knowledge of the Bible. It's not just doing good stuff. It's our emotional maturity that he is after. He is after the sanctification of our emotions. In Philippians 4.4, the Apostle Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Rejoice. Uh, anchor your joy deep into Jesus so that it is not swayed by changing circumstances and flaky people. Anchor it to Jesus. And when it's anchored to Jesus, then you'll be gentle. You're not going to be an irritable, grumpy sourpuss all the time. Or when circumstances go bad, you're not going to turn from being really patient to really irritable. You'll be gentle to all because your joy is anchored into the rock that is Jesus. He's after the sanctification, the maturity, the transformation of our emotions. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all obedience to moral commands. He says, joy and peace he wants us filled with. As you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now he's after us being obedient to his commands, but for the purpose of our fulfillment, for our joy, for our peace. May the God of hope fill you with all our joy and peace. He's after the the sanctification of our emotions. Because he loves us. He wants us to have joy and peace. He wants us to be fulfilled in him. He wants us to rejoice in him because then we'll be better off. But also for the sake of his glory. God has always been after 
filling the earth with, with image bearers who reflect what he is like to the world. Adam and Eve were supposed to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with image bearers. They allowed sin to come into the world and sin fractures the image of God in us. It's still there, but it's fractured. It's distorted. And through Jesus, it gets restored. It gets transformed. And part of our reflecting God's glory is our emotional maturity. How bad do we make Jesus look when we have a lot of head knowledge and we're really active in church and then we're flipping out in traffic or we get offended easily or we hold grudges for decades towards family members? How bad do we make Jesus look when we post something on social media about people in general when everyone who knows us knows we're talking about someone in particular? Hmm? That ever happened? God is after the sanctification of our emotions for our good, but also his glory. And so we want to be a church that leans into this and says, God, deal with what's going on under the surface. The iceberg under the surface. What makes me tick? What makes me respond the way I do? React the way I do? So this is a nine-week series. There are seven principles we're going to be looking at. Today is an intro week, and there'll be a conclusion week where we really go, okay, what is God asking me personally, uniquely to emphasize and take with me into the Christmas season? So what we're going to do today, we're going to unpack the, the passage that Katie just read from, the story of Mary and Martha. This is a um, story about two sisters— Anybody have siblings? Okay. Siblings have a way of bringing stuff out of us, don't they? Showing us where we're not emotionally stable yet. Um, this is a story about two sisters. They also have a brother named Lazarus. Th these guys become disciples of Jesus. They're not one of his 12 apostles, but they are uh, followers. They're learners. They, 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 they love Jesus. So this becomes a, a, a family that's very close to Jesus. At one point, Jesus raises their brother Lazarus from the dead. But in this scene, Jesus is traveling through and he comes to their house. Um, and we're going to look at Martha's response to Mary and then Jesus' response to Martha. Sometimes this story has been reduced and oversimplified to um, being busy versus sitting at Jesus' feet. I don't think that's really what this passage is about. Um, so let's just dive into it and, and we'll, we'll, we'll see what God, what God has for us. So Lord, I just ask that you speak to us about this. I, I pray that we would lean in over these next nine weeks. That we would really, 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 really want you to transform us. That we would want more joy and peace. And be willing to die to whatever needs to be put to death. And embrace whatever needs to be embraced. In your name, Jesus, by the power of your spirit, I pray, amen. Amen. All right. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister, sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. This would be the posture of a disciple. She's just listening to what he was teaching. Martha is the lead host Verse 40, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him, that's Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. 
So what was Martha experiencing in this moment? She is experiencing a gap between her expectation for how the night would go and the reality of how the night was going. There's, did anybody ever experience that? You have, a, you have an expectation for how vacation's going to go, and then there's reality? Vac expectation for Christmas dinner and reality? Expectation for a date night with your spouse and reality? Yeah. Now, it's, it, it's okay to have that gap, and it's okay to be disappointed with that gap. That happens with life. There's a gap. This is how I think it's going to go. Darn it. It's not going that way. Disappointing. It's okay to have expectations, and it's okay to be disappointed when they don't go the way we want them to go. But then comes our response to that disappointment. And that's what's really, really, really important. How do we respond to that gap? How do we relate to God, and then how do we relate to those around us? And that's where I think Mary, Martha went wrong. I think Martha went wrong in two ways. Number one, first way she went wrong is she assumed the gap between her expectations and her experience was someone else's fault. Mary's fault. I got preparations to do. They're not being done the way they need to be done. Mary's not helping. It's Mary's fault. Mary's in the wrong. That's her, that's her conclusion. Martha doesn't stop, in other words, to go, okay, maybe I'm expecting too much for the night here. Maybe I'm decided to make too much food tonight. Maybe Mary's just supposed to be where Mary is and I'm supposed to be where I am. No, no, no. The conclusion she comes to is Mary's in the wrong. And that's why I'm feeling this gap. And I think I could be wrong. But I think we have a tendency to do the same thing, to fill in gaps with blaming others. A few hypothetical situations. You are at your job, and your boss comes to you and asks you to stay late for a certain project. And you say, okay. They ask your coworker, and your coworker says no. Immediately, you have an expectation. I am going to get special treatment from my boss because I said yes, or my coworker is going to have some kind of negative consequence. The next day rolls around, your coworker comes in, and him and your boss are all chummy talking about their fantasy football league. And you're like, wait a second. How come the boss isn't mad at the coworker for, for him saying no? How come I'm not getting any special treatment? The next week it happens again. Your boss asks you to stay late. You say yes. Your coworker says no. This happens a few more times that month, and you start to think, wait a second. I should be getting some kind of special reward or treatment for saying yes for all these extra projects, while my coworker has his reasons for going home. But there's no negative consequences for him. There's no special treatment for you. Finally, the next time the boss comes, he doesn't even ask your coworker. He just asks you. And by this point, there's resentment. There's anger. And you have come to a few conclusions. Number one, your boss is discriminating against you. For whatever reason, you're, you're coming up with all kinds of things. Maybe your age, maybe because of your background, whatever. You've come up to, with these ideas that your boss is showing favoritism to your coworker and discrimination against you. And your coworker is a lazy slacker. These are the conclusions you've come to. You don't pause to say, wait a second, wait a second. Why do I have these expectations in the first place? Why do I think that I'm going to be treated differently for saying yes? Why am I saying yes anyway? 
I can say no. Clearly I can say no. My boss isn't going to punish me for it. He's not punishing him. This is my fault. I keep saying yes with an expectation, training my boss to ask me because he knows his coworker is going to say no, and I'm going to say yes. But he doesn't do that. You don't do that. You put it on your boss. You put it on the coworker. Because that's our tendency, I think. We fill in gaps by blaming someone else. Maybe you couldn't relate to that one. Here's another one. You're a married couple, and you go to a marriage conference, and you hear some couple who gets up on stage talking about how their marriage has been transformed. And they say one of the secrets to their transformed marriage is they have a date night every Friday night. So you and your spouse look at each other and you're like, well, we haven't had a date night in three years, so maybe we should do what they're doing. So you walk out of that marriage conference and you go, we're going to go, we're going to have a date night every Friday night. And your spouse is like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So you guys commit to this and now there's an expectation that you have. A date night every Friday. Well, the first month, you do it three times and your spouse comes to you and says, honey, listen, this is actually a little stressful having a date night every week, trying to find a sitter with the kids. It's actually kind of getting expensive. Can we figure something else out? So now you had an expectation. Your spouse is trying to bail on that in your mind. There's a gap. And the conclusion you come to is, see, he doesn't care or she doesn't care as much about the marriage as I do. I knew it. He's always bailing. She's always bailing. Can't follow through on their commitment. And you don't pause to stop and think, okay, maybe this wasn't a God-given expectation in the first place. Maybe we can have a good marriage a different way other than that silly couple up on stage at that marriage conference. After all, the Bible doesn't even talk about how many date nights you're supposed to have in a given month or a date night at all. But we get these expectations. One more, one more scenario, just in case you couldn't relate to those. You are in a church community, and you decide to lead an Easter egg hunt because you want to reach all the children of the community. And you think this is a God-given idea, and this is going to be great. you got all these stations, and you're going to need 20 volunteers to pull it off. And so you start telling your friends and your life group when you ask the pastor to make announcements. And, and um, the week before Easter comes, and you realize that 20 volunteers that you thought you were going to get, maybe more because the church was going to get really excited about this, you've only got five people who volunteered. And you're like, what the heck? So you have an expectation, and now the reality is a lot further away from that expectation, a big gap. And the conclusion you come to is, this church doesn't care about children the way I do. This church doesn't care about reaching the community the way I do. The pastor doesn't even care about reaching children because he only made one announcement and not three. And you might be thinking, wait a second, is he talking about a specific thing? I'm talking about 20 scenarios over the last 10 years. We come to conclusions. So-and-so is not passionate about this like I am. And it's usually leaders who tend to fall into this trap because we're doing a lot and we're thinking, why isn't everybody else doing it? But we don't stop to think, you know what? Maybe God didn't want us to go this big to start. Maybe it was supposed to be small. Maybe other people are reaching children in other ways. They're reaching their community in other ways that I'm not seeing. We jump to conclusions about other people. We place the blame on them when there's a gap in our expectations. That's the first mistake I think Martha made. And the second mistake, where she went wrong, was what someone else, namely Mary in this story, was not doing, was allowed to steal her joy. She allowed Mary to steal her joy. Even if Mary was wrong, let's, let's um, 
for the sake of this, this point, let's assume Mary was in the wrong. That, let's assume Martha was right about Mary being wrong. Follow that? Martha is still wrong for making such a big deal out of it. Does anybody else have a tendency to make a big deal when somebody else is in the wrong? Yeah, I'm, I'm asking. I'm asking. I can do it. Anybody else? I see my kids do it. Make a big deal. Why isn't she getting in trouble? Why aren't you getting her? Martha was allowing what Mary wasn't doing to steal her joy. And that's where she went wrong. Her emotional response. She didn't have to get so bothered by it. She could have said, okay, Mary's not doing what she's doing. But I'm still going to do what I'm supposed to be doing. With joy. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord while I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit deal with Mary. She didn't do that. She's get, she gets offended. And she gets bothered. And she gets preoccupied with what Mary is not doing. And again... I think we have a tendency to get preoccupied with the failures or the perceived failures of others. Maybe you're a parent and you want your teenager to be reading the Bible. And they're arguing with you about why they don't want to read the Bible. And then when you go to open the Bible in the morning, you just can't stop thinking about your teenager who's not reading the Bible. To the point where you're not enjoying your time with the Lord. Has that ever happened to you? Or oh, you're a couple and you come to church and you're just frustrated with your spouse because the last few weeks they're just doing this and that. And so every sermon for the next few weeks, you're listening to it and you're going, I, why can't he get this? Why can't he act on this? I hope he's paying attention. I hope she's going to finally shape up instead of being able to receive from God for yourself. And again, I can use church examples, Right? More than so-and-so volunteering in kids' ministry or this or that or going here to the point where our joy in Jesus gets choked out. And then we see them on Sunday and we're frustrated. Oh, they're not supporting what I'm doing. And I'm praising Jesus, but I'm really thinking about how frustrated I am with him and her and her. That's what we do. That's what we do. We get distracted and the focus is no longer on Jesus. We're not able to receive from him. And then instead of going to Jesus... And saying, Lord, what do you want? Like Martha didn't stop and say, Lord, what do you want me doing right now? She came to Jesus. Jesus is there. He's teaching. He's ministering to people. And Martha's like, yo, time out. Things aren't going right right now, Jesus. Can you fix her? And then we can get things back to a stable place. And then you can continue on. Right? That's kind of what she's doing. And I think there's a... A good indicator that our hearts are off is when a lot of our prayer time is spent telling Jesus who to fix. Right? Or we, we tell ourselves we're going to have prayer with Jesus and really what we're doing is just venting and complaining about somebody or people in general or whatever. And I see it in my own heart. There's mornings when I can open up the Bible and okay God and then all of a sudden I'm thinking about so-and-so doing this, and so-and-so who needs to pers be persuaded about that. And I'm like, all right, Jesus, show me a new way to persuade them. You know? Anybody? Just me? Maybe I just need this series the most. <laughs> That's okay. 
So that's where Martha went wrong. Now, what did Jesus say to her? How did Jesus correct her, respond to her? Let's read it. Martha, Martha, verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. In this little passage, I see two things, two ways that the Lord helps Martha, corrects her, realigns her. Number one, excuse me, he challenged her emotional response to her unmet expectations. In verse 41, he said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. So first thing, he just calls her out on being upset about it. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're so bothered about this. You're so worried about this. This has got you tied up. Tied up in knots. Mary helping with the preparations. It's got you all bound up in your soul here. Think about this past week. My friends, my brothers, my sisters, think about this past week. Is there any situation where Jesus, if he was in the flesh, or maybe through his spirit, was trying to say to you, hey, my sister, my brother, you're so worried about so many things right now. You're so anxious about this. You're so offended about that. You're so angry. What's going on? Think about it. Anything come to mind? Sometimes when I prepare to preach on something, it seems like the devil, who's real, tempts my pride, which is also real, in an extra special way on the topic that I'm going to be preaching on. And so this past week, I noticed little moments of like, why does this bother me? Why does this bother me? Why does that bother me? going on? I want to grow in some of those areas. I hope that you want to grow in some of those emotional responses to these things. Second way that Jesus corrected her actually before I move on I think, I can't, I can't necessarily prove this from Scripture, but I, I think Martha being so bothered, I don't think it was the preparations that Martha was so bothered by. Like, I don't think Jesus was saying, you shouldn't be taking care of the food and serving everyone. You shouldn't be doing that. Sometimes I think the story gets simplified to that. I don't think that's what he was saying. I mean, we're called to serve. We're called to care. We're, I mean, there's specific places in scriptures where it says, hey, if you have this gift, serve with all your heart. And so if Martha's good at this, she should be doing it. And if she's doing it with joy, if she's doing it with her joy being rooted in Jesus, I don't think Jesus would have, been, would have said, hey, Martha, why are you being all bothered by all those things. She was bothered because her focus was on herself and herself having to work while Mary's getting to sit. She's bothered because she's thinking about this being done being a reflection of her and her identity and her worth. 
But if she was freely doing it, whistling while she worked, uh, enjoying it, having peace about it, listening to Jesus' teaching while she's serving, saying, yeah, amen to that one. I don't think Jesus would have been saying, hey, Martha, Martha, you've got to come sit down. No, it was her, the posture of her heart. She was preoccupied with what Mary was doing. She was focused too much on what she had to get done and what Mary wasn't helping with. And I think that's what Jesus was correcting and calling her out on. You're just so preoccupied with this, so bothered about it. And then the second thing, the second way he corrected her was he corrected her judgment of Mary in the first place. So first is a emotional response. Even if Mary was in the wrong, she didn't have to be so bothered by it to the point where it was a distraction away from Jesus. But then Jesus does correct her judgment of Mary. Look what he says. Verse 42. Few things are needed. You're worried about so many things. Few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary's at my feet. I don't think it was about the behavior. I don't think it was about, you should be at my feet too, being still. I think what Jesus was saying was, Mary's at my feet because her heart is anchored to me. It's about me. Me being here is about me. Me being here for you, Martha, is about you and what you've got to get done. And then you start to keep track of who's not helping you get done what you think you need to get done. And you're making it about yourself. You're making it about, the preparations are meant to be for me. But it's not about me. It's about you. You got to do this. This is a reflection of you and Mary's not helping you pull this off. And so you're upset. You don't have the heart that Mary has, which is just about me. She's uh, self-forgetful. She's not worried about what she's supposed to be doing. She's just focused on me. Martha was so self-conscious. I got to do this. I got to do this. Mary's not helping me. Jesus, tell her to help me. And again, I think Jesus would correct some of us in our judgment of other people and go, hey, 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 hey. Their hearts are actually in a better place than you think they are. You're judging with the wrong scale. You're judging with Martha's scale. Anybody have a tendency to judge other people based on Martha's type of scale? Well, they're not doing what I'm doing, so their heart must be wrong. Anybody? They're not seeing this the way I'm seeing this, so their heart must be wrong. And it gets to the point where it distracts us from our devotion to Jesus. Jesus is saying, I'm the point. I'm the point of all this. Mary gets it. Martha doesn't. I see it in my kids, like I said earlier. I see it with us as adults. And this series is about Jesus correcting us, saying, hey, there are emotional responses that you have that other people have a tendency to trigger that we're going to deal with. And that's why we're doing this series. All the topics we're going to be preaching on have been preached on before. There's nothing uh, new, but we're just going to be very explicit and direct about it and really want to take our time unpacking it in the life groups and discussions. Identifying, yeah, I responded this way. I have these expectations. I don't even know if these expectations are God-given in the first place. Like I said, this past week, I had a few things go off in my soul. Uh, I'll give an example of one of them. Um, 
Somebody says they're going to do something and they don't do it. Frustrates me. It has a tendency to really frustrate me. So I go to God. I'm like, all right, God, is this an expectation that I shouldn't have? And the answer is no. It, it is an expectation that I should have. Somebody says they're going to do something. Like, that's a healthy expectation. You're going to do it. That's okay. So, okay, I, cr- I, I, cr- I uh, passed that test, so to speak. But then the next question, is this something that I should be this upset about? And that's where God's like, no. No. It shouldn't be bothering you that much to where you're so focused on it and you can't, you're losing your joy because of that. It's become a thief to your joy. And that's where I got to dig deep and go, all right, Lord, you got to show me why. Is it a control thing? Is it a, a you know, feel disrespected thing? So those are some questions that I'm going to be wrestling with God with over these next nine weeks. And I invite you to do the same. We're going to be fasting every other Thursday during this study. If you want to join in, I'll put you on a, te- a text list, give you some specific prayer points, things to be praying for for the people on the group text, our life groups, and our wider church, just skipping breakfast and lunch and just taking some extra time to seek God's presence and ask him to realign what he wants to realign in our hearts. If you want to join in on that, um, you can either let me know, you can shoot me an email, you can uh, sign up back there with our QR code for that, and I'll put you on that. You can just start with this week, this Thursday, and it'll be every other Thursday from, from there. But we want to lean into this. We really want God to uncover this, not just go, oh, Mary and Martha, that was an interesting story. I wrote something in my journal. Uh, anyway, like, okay, God, I, want, I don't want to be like Martha, and I can be at times. I do get too preoccupied with other people are doing or not doing. I do sometimes have the wrong expectations. I do get too amped up in my emotional responses. I do get too offended. I do get too anxious. And you say that this is the one thing, you being at the center of my heart. And I too often turn away. So before I call the band up, Can I ask, is there anybody here, just by a show of hands, who can identify that, yeah, I can be like Martha too many times than I'd like or should be? Anybody by a show of hands? I just want to pray for you. I know that raising your hand, other people can think, oh, yeah, he's got issues, she's got issues, right? And we're basically saying, yeah, I do, right? I do. I have these issues. Keep your hands up. Let me just pray. Raising our hands is a posture of like, okay, God, I'm admitting this. I'm, I'm being honest about this. I'm being vulnerable about this, Lord. It's also a request. You're, you're saying, God, I want you to do something here about this. I want you to change me. I want you to change me. I don't just want to be somebody who has a Bible knowledge and does stuff around the church or, or does stuff in the community. I, I want to be changed in my responses to things, in my responses to people in my home. I want to be different. I want to be more mature. I want the joy and peace to fill me even when other people are being flaky and circumstances are crazy and out of control. I want to be solid because I stand on you. So Jesus, thank you, Lord, that you're going to do a work. We thank you for that. For these men and women who have raised their hand who are saying, yes, I want to grow. 
Jesus, we're inviting you in for this next season of our church. We're believing that you're going to do a work in our hearts. We're believing that. We're believing that the God of hope is going to fill us with joy and peace as we trust in you in a deeper way so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Spirit, according to Romans 15, 13. I thank you that we're going to rejoice in the Lord always, or more often than we do now, by the end of this season. We're believing that. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen.